Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Uh, I want to talk about lifting our perspective. Lifting our perspective. Psalms chapter 42 is Psalm of David. Very, it's very famous one. They're all, they're all famous, but this is one that gets quoted a lot. And he said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? I mean, you have conversations with yourself like this, that you just, you, you're, you're going through the day and it's just like, hey, soul, what's the deal? What's, what's the deal? Why are, you, why are you so downcast? And why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know, one of the things that when you look at the life of David, you, you realize this is a guy that had a full range of emotional experiences. When you, when you read the Psalms, this is not like the, the guy who's just a stone-cold, you know, this, the stone-cold leader of, of a nation. This is a guy that I think if you knew him, it'd be like, David, you're a bit extreme sometimes. You know, the, could you just like rein it in a bit, put a compressor on those emotions a little bit and just, um, you know, some of you live with people that are like that. You know, it's either all on or all off. It's, there's, there's no, there's no, I'm a pretty steady guy. You know, on a bad day, I'm like this. And on a good day, I'm like this. And, uh, you know, this season has been challenging. This season, I think for everybody, it's the, the, the attitude, the emotion, the perspective. It's been challenging for everybody, hasn't it? And uh, it's, I just want to ask you, how's your soul? How's your perspective? How's your attitude doing? I didn't get any answers back, so I must be. You know what, at the very beginning of our ministry, uh, there was a book put into my hand. I don't even remember who gave it to me, but it was by John Maxwell. And it was a book called The Winning Attitude. And uh, many of you have read it. If you have not read it, it's, it is a bit older. It's a little bit, bit dated, but it was, uh, it was actually a life-transforming book for Monica and I because it, in, in our the way that we had kind of been, uh, I just say, the way that I had been influenced up to that point in my life was kind of like if, if God's going to do something, he's going to do it. And, you know, our attitude doesn't really make that big of a difference because, you know, God's just God and you're just you. So let God do his thing and you just do your thing. And, as as I read this book, it, there were some there were some great things that I learned out of it. But you know, the, just the concept that you know, the, our attitude sets the direction of our life. Our attitude sets the direction of our life. Now, the attitude in a plane is basically it's if the plane is going up, it has an upwards attitude. If the nose is down, it has a downwards attitude. But that is so true in our lives as well. Our perspective, if we, have a, if we have a perspective that's just inclined up, it takes us to a better place than if we have a perspective 
that is inclined down. And, and through, the, through reading this book, I just I discovered a good attitude is the difference, oftentimes the difference between a successful outcome and an unsuccessful one. You know, a good attitude is oftentimes the difference between a resolved relationship or a resolved conflict and an unresolved conflict. A lot of times it's the perspective and attitude that we take into it. And so in this season, I'm asking, am I struggling with my attitude? Is there a tangible reason? Am I struggling with my attitude? Yes, very much so. Is there a tangible reason? <laughs> quite a few, actually. If we want to bring definition to it, there's quite a few tangible reasons why I'm struggling. And, uh, you know, and, and the harder the season, the more we have to pay attention to our perspective. The more we have to, we really have to lift our perspective. We really have to lift our attitude. The harder the season is because it's in the harder the season, the more important it is that our attitude is headed the right direction. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, in construction it, from time to time, I've needed the use of very large cranes. And one of the things that a large crane comes with is it comes with a whole separate truck that carries this thing called ballast. And that ballast is just big concrete blocks that get attached to the back of the train. And the purpose of that is so that when you're lifting, some of you have watched the, the YouTube videos of epic fails where the whole crane falls over. Well. There's a number of reasons that, that can happen, but ballast is what you put on your crane so that does not happen. And basically, it's by adding weight into one area, you, you stabilize the entire thing. And in, in this season, we need to learn to attach some attitude ballast to our lives. We need to learn how to attach some counterweight to the pressure that's on us, which means which, which, which really means in the end, we're actually carrying more weight, but we're learning how that, that weight, the way we carry it allows us to actually do better. So here's a great question. Is my attitude or is my perspective causing me unnecessary suffering in this season? You can answer for your neighbor. <clears throat> Is my attitude or is my perspective causing me unnecessary suffering in this season? And, you know, the perspective in which we're, we approach situations, oftentimes it determines what happens in us in that season. When our perspective is limited or negative, everything gets harder. Everything gets more difficult. Motivation levels get lower. Emotional reserves get depleted. But when our perspective is healthy, dis difficult situations actually become easier. We live with stronger emotional reserves and our motivation levels, they're not de depleted by the smallest setbacks. And, and uh, you know, it just, just right back to that book, The Winning Attitude. And over the last 28 years, I think that that uh, I've found that the right attitude and the right perspective is perhaps the most important thing that I take into my day. That if, if, my, if I can learn to attach that ballast to my day, it makes the day very different. And, and uh, you know, I, I was reading a book this week. I would recommend it if, the, if this is something that 
in this season, this is something that you're struggling with, and it's, a, it's all on, it's, the name of the book is called Glorious Ruin, How Suffering Sets You Free. And I know, isn't that exciting? <laughs> How Suffering Sets You Free. What an exciting subject to talk about. And it's uh, by an author, his name is Tullian Chavidian? Tullian Chavidian. It's tough to say the name. And if you read the spelling, you'll understand why I struggled. But uh, there's two, basically, he starts this book off with this premise, and it's there's two theologies that we basically approach our faith with. There's the theology of glory, or there's the theology of the cross. And the theology of glory is the, this is what he writes, theologies of glories, uh, of glory are approaches to Christianity and to life that try in various ways to minimize difficult and painful things or to move past them rather than looking at them square in the face and accepting them. Theologies of glory acknowledge the cross, but they view it as primarily a means to an end. And it, to summarize it, it's basically this. It's the belief that... that we, if we're truly following God, we should be happy, fulfilled, prosperous, and relatively trouble-free. I heard some snickers. We evaluate the effectiveness of our religion by how pain-free our lives are. How good we feel becomes the report card to how good of a Christian we are or how effective our faith is. Faith becomes a ladder to climb. God exists for our benefit, our happiness, our self-fulfillment, and our personal transformation, none of which are bad, or is God, and none of these things God is opposed to. A life following Christ has these aspects and these elements present, but if that's our goal, we end up missing a vital component of our faith, and we go through seasons where we miss the treasure of the season because it's not packed in personal benefit and warm fuzzy feelings the end goal of your faith is not warm fuzzy feelings the end goal is the presence of god himself the end goal is to is to walk in relationship with god himself god himself so the problem with this philosophy is it leads to very seriously flawed con conclusions about problems and pain it interprets misfortune as the karmic result of misbehavior or disobedience or lack of faith rather than a divine opportunity for growth and a richer inner life. It trains us to interpret life and events as a punishment and reward system. And here's the, here's the other theology, the theology of the cross. A theology of the cross defines life in terms of giving rather than taking, self-sacrifice rather than self-protection, dying rather than killing. It reorients us away from our natural inclination towards a theology of glory by showing us that we win by losing. We triumph through defeat and we become rich by giving ourselves away. Jesus did not minimize our suffering, but he actually met us in our suffering. He showed us that he was will, willing to be present in our, in, in our suffering himself. The cross, the cross wasn't an optional part of Jesus' plan. It was actually an integral part 
of Jesus' plan. And what more of a definitive way to be present in our suffering, or, or to be present to, than to enter into suffering himself? Isaiah called, prophesied of Jesus that he would be known as a man of sorrows. See, Jesus wasn't afraid of our sorrow. He's not afraid. He was not afraid of our pain. He's not afraid of our bad days. And information about Jesus is not a lot of help when our soul is aching. Only his presence can comfort the depths of our soul. And so I want to talk about a lifted or a new perspective on suffering. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, it says this. It says, that's not all. We also celebrate in seasons of suffering because we know that when we suffer, we develop endurance, which shapes our characters. And when our characters are refined, we learn, we learn what it means to hope and anticipate God's goodness. And hope will never fail to satisfy our deepest needs because the Holy Spirit that was given to us has flooded our hearts with God's love. In times like this, it's easy to focus on suffering. It's easy to get stuck in how hard things are. It's easy to get, if you're suffering financially, it's easy to get stuck on, on that suffering. If you're maybe suffering vocationally or relationally or spiritually or emotionally, maybe you're suffering alone or maybe you're, maybe you're suffering with others because you're all suffering and being together isn't helping. You know, in times like this, it's easy to get stuck at the suffering, but I love how this starts. I don't love how this starts. We also celebrate in seasons of suffering. He's saying we celebrate when it's good, but we also celebrate in seasons of suffering. Let me ask you, are you, suffer are you celebrating suffering right now? Are you celebrating your suffering right now? And if the answer is no, then let's, let's work on a lift kit here. That, that word also, that, that phrase, also celebrating. Are we also celebrating this season? Does our faith have a treasured place for suffering? Ah, oh. Pastor Mike, this is a terrible message. You're supposed to pump us up. And we look at the verse. Why, why, do, why he goes on to explain why we celebrate suffering? Because suffering develops endurance. Suffering develops endurance, which shapes, endurance shapes our character, and it refines our character to learn how to live with hope. Having things work out all the time actually doesn't make us people of character. It's when things don't work out that we learn to be people of character. It's when things are difficult that we learn to be people of deep character. And he goes basically at the end there, hope never fails to satisfy because the Holy Spirit that was given has flooded our heart with God's love. God uses hard things to help us learn how to and learn and experience love more deeply. 
God uses hard things to teach us how to love more deeply. Don't let this season go to waste. Don't let this season go to waste. This is, a, this is actually a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. In, in this season, it's so easy to despise it. It's so easy. It's, I mean, like half the time, the first things we talk about when we meet others is how much we hate this season. <laughs> but don't let this season go to waste. There's things that can happen in this season of your life that you'll never, that corporately will never get the chance to, will never get the chance to build these things at this level in our lives. Again, crisis doesn't make us who we are. Crisis introduces us to who we are. You know, suffering doesn't, it, it doesn't define us. It just gives us an opportunity to see what was actually lurking under the surface of the warm, fuzzy feelings. I've learned a lot in this last season about where my hope is and where it is not. Where I say, God, I just want you to be the center of my life, what I really mean is I would really like things to be predictable and comfortable. You need a little translator alongside. But let's look at this. What happens when we suffer? Well, when we suffer, it opens us up. Uh, it wakes us up to areas of unbelief and idolatry in our lives. And that word idolatry, that's a pretty, that's a pretty weighty word. But what, what idolatry is, is it's, it's not statues. It's not, it's not little idols that we have set up around our house. It's like, oh, he's got a little Buddha in his house. He's got an idol problem. And an, an idol is anything other than God that we build our, our lives upon, that we lean upon for meaning or hope will bring us fulfillment and freedom. An idol is anything other than God that basically we look to to give us definition, to give us fulfillment. Sometimes being perceived as successful can become an idol. Being in control can be an idol. Being financially secure and stable can become an idol. Having a trouble-free marriage or well-adjusted, obedient children can become an idol. Being physically healthy or pain-free can become an idol. And none of these things are bad, but in themselves, they won't satisfy that deepest part of our soul. This is what uh, the guy that wrote the book said. Whenever, we've de whatever, whenever what we've depended on for meaning, and it's usually one of God's good gifts, is stripped away, our first reaction tends to be one of anger, self-pity, blame, and entitlement. But idolatry feeds on itself, robbing us of joy until we have no other choice but to cry out for God. See, our hope is not Jesus plus an explanation as to why suffering happens. Our hope is not Jesus plus an explanation to why our, our marriage or our children or our career is so difficult. Our hope is in Jesus and what he does in our lives. 
Think about it for a moment. What is the thing in your life that if it were to disappear, you would feel like life is not worth living? And when we can answer that question, then we're able to figure out what we're really worshiping. And what, by definition, probably lies at the root of our suffering. It can be our children. It can be our spouse. It can be our ambition. It can be our dream of financial success. These are all good gifts that God gives for our enjoyment, but they can all turn into idols if we're not careful about the place that they have in our lives. And this season, talk about a boot camp for the soul. Like every week, this is, this is just get up and, okay, it is time to start the day. And it's teaching us, it's teaching us very real lessons about ourselves. Some of what we're discovering about ourselves, I'm discovering I don't like about myself. Maybe I'm alone in this revelation. That there's, there's, parts, there's parts of my life that have, it's just like, I've just let them, I've just neglected them altogether. I've just ignored them. Am I looking to God for my deepest needs to be met? Or am I looking to others? Am I looking to God to meet the deepest, the deepest needs of my life? Or, or am I looking to my government to meet them? Am I allowing hard times to build deep-rooted love into my life? Or am I feeding my disappointments and allowing bitterness and skepticism to grow? Let me just talk honestly as a pastor. In this season... There is nothing more that I wish that I was able to do than to give you a message every week that would just pump you up, just leave you so encouraged, just absolutely transform your whole experience. And, and as a pastor, you, you, feel, you kind of feel the pressure that that's what you need to do for everybody all the time. You just need to be able to fix everything. It's not much pressure at all. <laughs> that you can just have some encouragement that will just fill people's hearts with peace and joy. That people will come in and they'll walk out just saying, you know, my, the eyes of my understanding have been opened wide. I'm transformed in my heart today. And I can't do that. Nobody can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And if there's anything I would really encourage you, you've, we, you know, we've talked a lot over the last few months about our, basically about our habits, our routines, our patterns. I would encourage you to make sure that you're doing things in your daily and weekly rhythms that are making room for the one who can transform our soul. You know, every once in a while, I'll be in a conversation with somebody and um, the subject of something like, you know, prayer or reading our Bibles will come up. And then and someone will say, well, I don't read my Bible. And there's a part of me that thinks your days are numbered then. Like, you won't make it. If, if you don't have a lifeline to God, like, you can't, feelings won't get you there. Like, you need something, you, 
I can't just put whatever I want in the tank of my truck and think it will work. You know, well, there's no diesel today. Well, there's lots of water in the faucet. But sometimes in our spiritual lives, that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to Netflix to fill our tanks. And then we wonder why our tanks or our, why our trucks aren't working or why our lives, it's like I feel depleted and I feel empty and I feel dead inside. And it's like, but what are the habits that are feeding the inside? Because those habits make all of the difference. And I think in this season, more than ever, just, just have become so aware of, of the daily habits and routines and how much influence they have in, in, in how we process a difficult season, a difficult season. And so I, wanted, I want us to just ask, what are the habits that are forming me in this season? Are they forming me into a person of love? Are they pr- forming me into a person of understanding are they are they are they bringing depth in my relationship with God and what habits can I develop to take me from the narrative of the world in this season to to cultivate love and compassion in my life and my family and my relationships what what rhythms can I adopt that will will cause me to lean deeply into love to build I like this the the author of The Common Rule, he, he's, he says it like this, what can we do that will build strong minds and soft hearts? What will we do that will, re, will reinforce a soft heart but also keep us strong in our minds? And so one, one of the things that I have found very helpful personally as just an inward, an, an inward pat- pattern in, or inward habit in this season is make sure you pick growth before busyness, pick growth before busyness. And this looks like different things. You know, this might be morning prayer. This might be scripture before phone. This might be podcasts or teaching instead of listening to news or to talk radio on your way to work. Let me ask you the question, what's calibrating your day? Are you letting the scriptures or, or the screens calibrate your day? Purpose or feelings? See, by calibrating our day, we're taking steps to protect our spirit. My worth is not defined by the likes on my page. My attitude is not going to be dependent upon the latest happenings in the world. Or it is, and I'm in trouble. And it's not going to be set by the, by the headlines that scream for my devotions. My perspective will not be set by the latest news or scandal or anxiety-inducing email that is sent to me. But I'm going to allow, I'm going to let, allow God in his narrative to set the tone for my day. It's much easier to start from a good place and maintain it than it is to start the day, hit trouble, and then try and pull it out of the, then try and pull it out of the mud. And then with this last one, an outward rhythm for, for a healthy perspective or outward habits is I want to talk about relationships. Because 
one of the most painful elements in this pandemic is that precisely when we need each other the most, we're supposed to remain distance from each other. And friendship, relationship, it's the lifeblood of the soul. Neuroscientists and neuropsychologists tell us you can't actually experience joy without people. We learn joy from each other. We learn joy by seeing each other. And just to get honest for a moment, loneliness was an epidemic in our culture long before COVID hit. And we can get this nostalgia for the past where we start to actually think that, oh, the way it was was better. No, what's going to be better is now that we've exposed just how deeply rooted our loneliness and our disconnection is, we can actually fix this. We can fix this as a church. We can fix this as a society. And in this season, see, for years now, we have been socially isolated without having to be socially distant. Why don't we learn how to be socially distant without being socially isolated? Learn how to connect. And some simple things to do, you know, a phone call. We're not allowed to be gathered in homes or in, in party time, but we can still walk. We can still talk. We can still converse with one another. We just have to be intentional about making sure we do it. You know, as we, as we learn to connect, and, you know, let me encourage you families, make sure you're taking the time to connect in your home. Family mealtime is important. We learn to be human by being together. We learn what it means to be human. That we're not just machines, but we're people. We need relationship, not just food. By eating together, we learn how to be together. We learn what grace is by being together. And you know, grace is good to learn. Because messy things require grace. Messy things, and God's not afraid of messes. That's why he gives us grace. Let's stand up. And I don't want to ask, I don't want to ask who's suffering, because I think if in everybody in this season, to some degree, is or should be. I mean, if we're normal people, this is hard. This is a hard season. The question is not whether we're suffering. The question is, are we celebrating? Are we celebrating? Are we also celebrating this season what does that because God's going to do things if we if we allow it things will happen in our lives in this season that it's 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 like you're going to get fast-tracked in this season to to experiencing a deeper and richer and stronger life and uh, I want to I want to just pray for us before we close here I want to pray for all of us that we learn how to celebrate when it's difficult because it's that that will take us 
ultimately to experiencing that deeper love of God, that deeper character and that deeper love for one another. So let's, let's just put our hands on our hearts and just, Father, I just pray for all of us right now because we all, in this season, it's challenging. And in, in this time, we've, it's so easy to get focused on what's missing, but you're not missing. Your presence has not left us. You have not departed. And, and Father, for where we have put idols in front of you, where we've put our happiness based on things that, that have been gifts from you, but they aren't you. Father, we recenter our lives to say, Lord, we want you to be first. We don't want our satisfaction to be dependent upon a circumstance or, or, or a relationship or a certain outcome. But we want our, our deepest satisfaction, our deepest fulfillment to be found in your presence alone. That we would have that unshakable foundation of the love of the Holy Spirit present in our hearts. And that we would know and understand what it means to, to experience you in the midst of hardship. That we would come out of this with a deeper understanding of the suffering Savior, of the man of sorrows, because you weren't afraid to be called that. You weren't afraid to identify with us in our sorrow. And Father, we just, we give you permission to strip away the things that ultimately aren't reliable anyways, and to build our lives on the rock of your presence and your Son. And I'm just going to pray another prayer, and it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus. And maybe you're here, and you've, or maybe you're watching online, and you've never, you've never said yes to him. You've never said yes to his plan or his purpose. And I just want to give you that opportunity. We're going to pray this together. You can pray online. You can pray in this room. And let's just invite him and say yes to his presence. And if you've never prayed that and you want to be included, you can just pray along with us. Let's pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to say yes to your purpose for my life. I don't want my hope to be all on circumstance, but I want it to be in you and in your purpose and in your Holy Spirit. Would you come into my life now? Forgive me of my sin and give me a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.